SoWin TV presents. SoWin TV presents. Faith and Hope with Sweet Tea and Sass, encouraging couples to reconnect with God and with each other so they can live their happily ever after too. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of Sweet Tea and Sass. Marriage is on the move. Yes, we are. Marriage is on the move. Always moving. Moving, moving. And last episode we talked about moving within the military and moving just as and in general, throughout our life, Transitions. Even, even as kids, and and lo and behold, we moved into an RV. Yeah. So we're constantly on the move. We're constantly. We've been we've been stationary for about a month now. Uh, yeah, and we leave in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Be on the move again. Yep. Well, <clears> that's <throat> the way we chose it. Yeah, that's again transitions, and uh, apparently we like them, uh, or we wouldn't keep doing it. We like to be on the move for sure. Oh yeah. Which I thought was weird because growing up as a kid, I hated moving, like I discussed. And you and, swore I would never. And I swore I would never move again. And and even after we got married, we moved three times after we got married. Once from town to the country and from the country back to town. Or, or what was the fourth one? We started out in that little place. Oh, and yeah. And then we moved into the other place. And then, and then moved, moved to the country. The country. Then moved back into town. Into a house. Yeah. Yeah, so. So even then, marriage was on the move. And we're just restless. Yeah. But where I was going with that was after we had been married and I had been in town Bossier for 20 years, I got the itch to move. And don't know where that came from. But Is anyway. It surprising for you as it was for the rest of us. So it's. it's I think your uh, mother was the most shocked. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that that is what it is. So this week's topic on marriage, marriages on the move, is navigating conflict within your marriage. Ooh, some hot so fun. Some hot topics on this one. Oh, we never had any conflict. Okay, your nose is fixing to start growing. <laughs> I hope not. So this week, our Bible verse is First Corinthians seven fifteen, and I'm going to preface this. It's um, part B of, of verse fifteen. It's not the whole verse, it's just part B, where God has called us to live in peace. So God has called us to live within peace, live in peace within the marriage. And if you don't have God in your marriage, it's very difficult to have peace within the household. It'll last for a day or two. It may last for a minute or two, but it's difficult to have peace. It's difficult to have peace even with God in the midst because the evil one is always trying to destroy marriage prowling around like a roaring lion looking for right. whom we may devour he wants to devour you and your marriage so that you cannot then benefit a family that you're raising uh your church family that you're both part of he is trying to kill still and destroy everything yes and so you need to be 
on guard and aware of that. So as I stated, started out there, seek God's guidance. You need to pray together. You need to pray individually. Which and, is something we didn't always do. No. We didn't always pray together. No. I mean, we said the blessing at meals, but that was about it. And that was just to bless the food. Right. We never we didn't pray together for most of our marriage. Praying. There are so many different concepts of praying out there. But praying is just you talking with God. It's a conversation. And it's just a conversation with God. And doing it by yourself glorifies God. It blesses you. It gives you guidance and strength. But when you do it as a couple, it brings peace into, into it as a couple. It brings um, unity. unity as a couple. You know, the stool's not going to stand on its own with just two legs. You got to have at least the third leg in there. Right. Where it's you, your spouse, and God. Ooh, that's a good analogy. And without without the third leg, it's difficult for that stool to stand. And if you don't have God within your marriage, it's going to be difficult for your marriage to succeed. Right. So when you pray together, you ask for help. And guidance. Which can provide, like I said, a foundation of three legs of the stool of humility and desire and reconciliation for you, for each other as a couple. When you pray, you need to pray for each other, but you need to pray for your marriage and your family as well. You have to establish what it is that God has designed for your marriage as a mission for your marriage and what it is for your marriage to do as a couple. Each of us are given gifts. Each of us are given um, purpose. A purpose. That's the word I'm looking for. That's why I'm the but, other half of the brain. Exactly. But as as a couple, you have a purpose as a couple too, whether it's to minister to the widows in the church or minister to the, the orphans in the local town or minister to elderly couples within the church. Other or, couples like us. Or other couples other our age. Couples on the move. Couples on the in move. In transition. In transition. That's, or, our, that's our, our purpose. Or or for couples in RVs. You know, that's that's one of the ones that's been laid on our heart by God is all of the full-timers in RVs that are always on the move. and, and Yeah. And they're just, it's, it's growing so much. I think there's a million people who live full-time in their RVs now. Yep. And as the housing market continues to be unsteady and go up and economy continues to be better and people are having difficulties in finding jobs and everything, I think it's only going to go up because it is, in a lot of ways, a more economical way to live. Yep. Um, for one thing, you can't do all this shopping and buying and stuff because there's just not a place to put it. And True. You Save know, your money. Yeah. And um, uh, RV note, our RV note has never been what our house notes were. Nope. So, you know, that's economical. Even even with paying lot rent. Right. And, well, we're fortunate now. We don't have to. We have a place to, to stay when we're home that we don't have to pay lot rent. But it's just more, it's just economical. But I, I have a I have a question for you. Um, What do you think was our biggest conflict in our marriage? Money? Yeah. But like a time in our marriage when we were, we just were not getting along. We were in disagreement. We were just having a really difficult time 
I mean, we've never been in the point, thank God, that things were so bad when I consider we would were considering to leave. We have coached people who are. We have we have friends who are coaches and friends that have walked out and are walking out or we're gonna walk out. And that's what this whole program is about is restoring that marriage. It's what the whole reboot program is about is mm-hmm. restoring that marriage. But I was just wondering, I, I've never asked you that. What did you think was the time when conflict and disagreement was at a height in our marriage? It was lack of communication. And the fact that we each had, I I had my ideas on where I wanted the marriage to go and what we felt we needed to do. Like a time. Like if you're thinking back, I can tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking when we moved to Michigan and we had a lot of outside forces yeah. that were putting on us as a couple, on our family. Yeah, I would say Michigan was probably the being in a different state, a different part of the country. I desperately did not want to be there. I wanted to go home to Louisiana. I did not want to live in Michigan. My family, my origin family, birth family, whatever you want to call them, were, there was a lot of conflict going on there. And that outside pressure brought conflict into our marriage. Yep and our home with the kids. Yes. And I think probably the best thing that I did during that time was to seek help with a counselor for the family issues and things that I had going on to try to resolve some of those feelings that I had. Right, but even even then, when you were seeking that count, that outside counselor, you still sought someone who had your same biblical beliefs. Oh, absolutely. And so if you're if you're looking for something like that, coaches, look, counselors, coaches, counselors, mentors, mentors mediators, what, whatever. Search out somebody who has your same mindset as far as beliefs and and um, faith based beliefs. Right. And. You don't want to. You don't want to seek out a counselor who's is going to create more turmoil within within what's going on. You have to diligently do your homework, which you did. Yeah, yeah. And, and I did quite well. And I think something that we did too was um, acknowledge the issue. Right. We we acknowledged the issue respectfully. We we hit that conflict head on instead of ignoring it or dismissing it. Um. I, because it was a point in my life where I was dealing with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of unresolved grief, a lot, a lot of those. Um, it was my mid thirties and all of that stuff from my childhood really started coming up. Oh, and before the wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was before the wreck. Cause I was already well on my way to healing that when the accident or our car accident happened, but I I acknowledge the issue. I I saw that this is a problem. I am dealing with a problem and issues and it is affecting my husband, it is affecting my children, it is affecting our marriage and and I'm not going to let that continue. So acknowledge the issue, acknowledge your responsibility in the issue because I 
there were times I was just me and I was just ugly. And I, because I just had so much anger and rage that came bursting out of me like a volcano with hot lava. And it spewed on him and the kids because they were who were closest in the past. Right. And I hate it. And I, and I wish it had never happened, but it was part of our learning and growing process. Right. But acknowledging the issue and then seeking help for the issue and being willing to work on yourself. Yep. I know we found that with couples we coach and it, it hurts my heart because we will see one that's willing to work on it, but one that's not, or right. one that is putting all the blame and responsibility on the other one. And it, it's, it's always, a marriage is always multiple individuals. It's always two and preferably three with God in that marriage that you're trying to work through. So you have to accept the things that you're responsible for, the issues that you're going through. Right. And I think you have to accept what your spouse is going through and let them work on it the way they need to work on it. Give right. them time and grace. Yeah. I know one thing I asked for, ask of you during that time was to take the camper two hours north to a campground we love to go to and set it up and leave me there and go home. And he had to work and he had to deal with the kids and do everything. I needed to force myself to be on my own because I had huge abandonment issues from my childhood and I needed to be able to be on my own. And he could have said, no, I, I'm not going to do that. I, I've got to work and I've got all this and, and I'm, and I'm not going to deal with the kids in the house and the cooking and all the whole stuff. And you just go, you know, relax in the camper and sit in the hot tub at the campground for a week, which I never even got in the hot tub once while I was there. But I did, watch movies. I read books. I listened to the music I wanted to listen to. I cooked the food and ate what I wanted to eat. It was just a time that I needed to be away and be with God. And he was gracious enough to give me that time. And all, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. All, all part of this is also learning how to listen actively to your partner. Not just give them lip service, but literally sit down and not try to answer their question or solve the problem or solve the problem. Men while are they're, notorious for, yes, I'm going to fix the problem. I don't want you to fix me. That's the way God designed this. Not but, that's, job. but that's not always your job as a partner. Your job is to learn to listen and let them talk. And then if they want an answer, they'll ask you, what do you think? Or how do you think? Or what or, would you do? Or what would you do? Otherwise, just shut up and listen and let them talk. And then, and if, it, and, and then if it turns into a sobbing episode, let them cry on your shoulder. Don't roll your eyes and, and walk away from them. Let them get it out of their system. Oh, and they're actively listening is the is probably the second biggest issue in most marriages today is because people don't remember how to listen. They don't remember how to be quiet. Everybody wants to answer and solve the problem when you may not have a problem that needs to solve. You just have something you need to get off your chest. Or just feel dead air. I mean, nobody is comfortable with just dead air. Just let the air be clear and let it be dead. Let it be quiet. Don't have, don't, don't, you don't have to be talking. You don't have to be watching TV or on your phone or whatever. Just let it be quiet. Just let there be 
locked in dead air since silent. Which gives mutual respect and understanding between the two of you. Exactly. And listen for what your spouse is telling you that they need. And don't take it as a affront to you. Right. Because I said I needed to go away for a week and be by myself did not mean I don't want to be with you and the kids and the family. It meant I needed some time to work through what I was going through. It was important for me. And him giving that for me was so respectful of me and what I needed. And so, you know, just remember when when your spouse is going through something, don't try to be the problem solver. Don't try to have all the answers. That's not what they're asking you for. That's not what they they need or they want. They will tell you if you stop and listen what they need and what they want. And then it's it's an art. Yeah. And 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 it's not, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's not something that comes naturally to most people. Some people from birth have the art of listening and know how to listen. Most people don't because, like I said earlier, most people want to solve the problem now. Just and move learn, on. Just learn to listen. Slow down and listen. And something for you guys, the whole crying thing. I have I uh, have always been an emotional person. Not as bad now as I used to be. I have more control over my emotions now that I've healed all of those things from my childhood. But let them cry don't try to don't cry stop crying it's okay it's going to be all right no sometimes especially and I know I mean it's not just women we have guys that we've coached that are emotional and and they need to cry and they need to let it out right and so but that those emotions are not a negative thing in our society we have tried to come to the conclusion that a sadness or anxiety or um stress or um, emotional outbursts are a bad thing. They're not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's a pressure valve. You're just letting the pressure off. And for me, it was crying. And and it was, uh, that was how my body lets off that emotional steam. And I know even now, I love to speak. I'm a speaker. That's what I know I'm called to do. That's what I love to do. But before I speak, either the day before or the day of, I cry. And I started trying to analyze that. Why am I crying? I'm excited about this. I want to do this. This is what I love to do. It's that some people go out and throw up. Some people can't eat. Some people, you know, bite their fingernails to the quick. My body lets that pressure valve off by crying. So I need him to recognize that that's not a bad thing and it's not something he needs to solve. I just need to let the pressure off. So let me cry sometimes. And, and I, I had a, yesterday was a bad day. I was, um, we were, I was working on my revisions for my book and writing some of those stories and they're hard to walk back through, even though I've written it, published it once I'm adding different things to it that I didn't before. And so I'm rewalking those memories. And, um, I was writing a particular part about my grandmother and I started missing her. And then, um, I started missing his mom because we lost her almost two years ago. It's coming up on the two year anniversary of her death. And so I, I was missing her because she was absolutely one of my best friends. And then we went into 
watch our granddaughter for our son and she was all about Mimi and clinging and hanging on and hugging and loving me and that made me miss my grandma more and it made me miss his mom more and and so it was just a hard day and I got teary I'm getting teary now but he's not freaking out because he's used to it now but don't try to fix that don't try to stop it if they need to cry let them cry if they need and to scream, let them scream. And I've I've done my fair share of screaming, and mm -hmm. stomped out the door, and walked and prayed, and stomped my feet and his feet, and bound my hand, and let them express that emotion in whatever way they're wired. And remember, they're not wired the way you are. I think I've seen him cry maybe three times in forty years of marriage. And all three of those times, probably in the last two years. No, when we lost Oreo, and oh, when you yeah. lost Fabio. Our pets. He's he's a big pet guy. I'm so a big pet guy. I've got gets, five cats. Yeah, he gets he gets very um upset when he loses a pet. When we lost Addie. Yeah. And and uh, and when we lose Beaker, it'll be another. We'll both be a mess. Yeah. So we have a seventeen-year-old anyway, cat one, that we adore. So one we last miss him. one last thing we want to talk about is find common ground. Yes. You've got to find common ground within your marriage. To one, find common ground to stand on. To support yourself. Yes. As as a as couple, you have to have a no-go zone. You have to have a place where we don't talk about this kind of stuff. We don't deal with this kind of stuff because we are in agreement that this stuff is not allowed in our house. This stuff is not allowed within our marriage. Right. Like we don't say the D word. No. The D word D we word is not word. that's not even we never have. That word is just not a word we use because for we, uh, for us it was it was an on ramp where two lives came on to one interstate, so to speak. Merged it. And we merged it together and there's, and there's no off ramp. No exit ramp. And the only time that we get to the off ramp is if if and when both of us die and then we'll be in heaven. Right. Exactly. But that's the only time that the there's separation other than our jobs that will force us to be apart and and when you're the common ground look for areas that you can agree on you're not going to agree on everything no. we don't agree on everything now we have disagreements about a lot of things that we view and see differently yes but i think we've grown enough to listen to the other one and appreciate their opinion and think about it and consider their opinion and if we want to change ours or adapt ours, right. but we look for areas that we do agree on so that we can stand together and work together towards finding solutions and right. benefits for both of us. But even the, even the common ground can be stuff you like to do together. For us, motorcycle riding is our, is our, is our venue. That's our happy place. That if we're feeling stressed or we just need to get away, we fire up the bike, climb on, and we'll go. Especially if we can be in the mountains. Yes. And oh, we just if it. we can if we can go and be gone. Can we go for, right now? Uh, no, not today. We got, a little, uh, we got things to do today. I'm sorry. But temperatures are getting there. <laughs> We're in Texas. It's but, been hot. Yes, it's been very hot. But find common ground, whether it's walking on the beach or hiking in the woods or Going to the local ice cream parlor together, you know, find something that you like to do together to help support each other. And that's when you discuss about everything else. Right. That's going on in your world. You discuss work, you discuss and play, you, you discuss kids, you discuss 
right. everything within your marriage. And one other part of the no-go zone he was talking about, we made an agreement when we got married that when it came to conflicts with our family, I would deal with my family. He would deal with his family. He would he would give me his opinion about what he thought I should do with mine and vice versa. But he, we, neither one of us would step in and deal with the other one's family. Now, there did come a time where my family was out of line with one of our children. And that's where he felt he needed to step in and say something. And because that's versa. his child. Vice versa. And there, yes, there have been times when his family did not treat our children like I thought they should. And I stepped in. And there right. have been times when some of his family members haven't treated me like they should. And I stepped up and argued that. But I would have wished that he would have done right. that. But, but it, that, again, it was that's... a different situation and a different dynamic. And I dealt with it and I did it. But it's, a, it's something that we've learned along the way right that you make those make those hard and fast rules the no-go zones and the go zones but also be flexible to understand that there are going to be circumstances where right. you're going to have to react react or you're going to have to reassess right whether or not you're going to get involved right in this situation and I did not get upset with him stepping in where my family was concerned because our children are our children. They're both right. of ours. So he was defending his child right. the same way I was defending my child. Right. And we would expect them to do that. Right. And which so, you should expect your, but that it, what we did in our family in our marriage is not necessarily what works for you and yours. Right. Because everybody's everybody's situation is different. Learning curve, man. So learn curve. learn to understand your situation and learn talk to your spouse about how they grew up. And by doing that, we will give you ideas where you can form common ground within your marriage. Right. Probably the two things that we did that we didn't even know to do, but we did was discussing everything before mm -hmm. we got married, yep. discipline, family matters, all these, how are we going to handle all these things? Yep. And the other one is keeping God in our marriage, yep. always plugging into a church, always being, um, being engaged in, in church activities and having God as the center of our marriage. It's probably right. the two best things we've done. And the two things that have helped us accomplish that no D zone that no d word right because um because we, we did those two things and i don't even know why or how we knew to do them we just did yeah we just we just god I just, but god, god but god so this week we've been talking about navigating conflict within your marriage first corinthians seven fifteen part b god wants us to live in peace we thank you for watching another episode folks and this is sweet tea and Beth. and we'll see you next week Are you feeling broken or lost? Are you struggling to find a community of like-minded women? 
Come join us on Solwyn, Shining Our Light Women's Inspiration Network. Solwyn women have come out victoriously from their dark places and now use their God-given gifts to shine their light to the whole world. Get your free 30-day trial today. Go to www.soulwin.tv to subscribe now.